Hello and welcome to the podcast, A Voice for the Hurting. This is season three, a season dedicated entirely to stories of how God is faithful through the roughest times in our lives. I truly believe that we can gain in faith and hope through other people's stories and testimonies. So pull up a chair, listen closely, and be encouraged by today's story. So today it is my pleasure to introduce Daisy Page, author of the book, Unexpected Moments. She's going to talk to us today about her story and how God has worked in her life. Hello, Daisy. Hi, Lori. Thanks for having me today. I'm really blessed to be here. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Um, I can't wait to share your story today. I don't know where you want to start because I've read a little bit of your book and it starts pretty early. But I would love to hear and have you tell my audience a little bit about yourself and what's brought you to where you are in life today. Okay. Well, first of all, um, the book is a little different than any other autobiography. It does start six years prior to my birth. Yeah. Um, and that's because my mom passed away when I was six months old. And I wanted to give readers a chance to get to know her character before that happens. And, and that is also one of the reasons that leads to me being abused. So that's a, a sad part of my story, shall I say. Um, I've been through a lot of uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse, and emotional abuse. And there was times that I didn't want to make it or I didn't think I would make it through them. I even tried to take my own life at times. But God had other plans for me. And he pulled me through it all and made me strong enough to face what I have ahead of me. He came to me when I was, well, I'll start with, I was, uh, I was, I became a Christian when I was nine years old. And I was in church every Sunday, every Wednesday. My mom, my stepmother played the piano and I won second place in the Bible drill um, in the state of Texas. I knew the Bible from the front to the back. I was, you know, such a Christian. I lived for God. I had Bible devotions every day, but I still, I was being abused for four and a half years. Yeah. And at uh, 14, God came to me and he told me um, he wanted me to rededicate my life and that one day I would have a testimony to share. And I said, God, I don't have a story to tell. And he said, one of these days, days of you will. And boy, was he right. But Last year, I got diagnosed with a rare terminal condition, and um, it's called MSA. It's very rare. And anyway, God came to me. He told me, I don't have, you don't have much time on my child, but you need to tell your story first from the beginning. Yes. So my doctor told me to take it day by day and live my life to the fullest and do what I could, you know, to enjoy my life because it progresses quickly. So I needed to do what I could do while I could. My best friend lived in Vermont, and um, my husband and I were planning a, a trip to Vermont to go and see her, but she caught COVID yeah. at the time, and we couldn't go and see her. So we were go driving by after physical therapy one day, um, the big church um, in our hometown, and on the marquee it said that Kirk Cameron was coming. <laughs> yeah. So my husband said, do you want to go see Kirk Cameron since we can't go to Vermont? And I was like, 
do I? <laughs> yeah. What do you answer to that? You always say yes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. He was my celebrity crush when I was growing up, you know, so great. he said, well, call your step. You know, I call my, my, my stepmom, my mom, because she raised me since I was 13 months old. So, but he said, well, why don't you call your mom and see if she wants to go with you? So I called her when I got home and she said, yeah, I'll go with you. So I bought our VIP tickets and we went to the event, his American Campfire Revival. Yeah. And um, it was a VIP. So you you got to ask questions beforehand. And I'm in a wheelchair. So I, I was up at the front in my wheelchair and I raised my hand to ask him a question. And I got too nervous. So I put it down. And this man about middle row, he raised his hand and Kurt said, yes, sir. And he said, the lady down on the end there has a question for you. And I was like, <laughs> oh, put me on the spot. God would not let you get away from <laughs> asking no. your question. Yeah. So first I opened up with, you know, I know they had a, a Seavers reunion before yeah. and so I asked if there's going to be another one and you know Alan Thicke had passed away so he said we even though he's passed away we've been talking about doing another one I was like oh that's great I said because I just want you to know you were my celebrity crush growing up and I had your posters plastered all over my walls <laughs> and I said one day I wrote you a letter and I asked you for your autograph picture and three months went by and you had not written me and given me that picture. So I tore all your posters down off my walls. <laughs> I said, why didn't you send me that picture? I'm such a huge fan. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll make that up to you tonight. So it came picture time where you got to go and get your pictures made with him. And um, I was just waiting until he got done with everybody. That was VIP. And I was going to see if he'd come off the stage and get one with me. And these men came over to me. It was actually one of them, the man that raised his hand and another man. And they asked me, do you want us to put your wheelchair on the stage with him? And I said, no, you don't have to do that. I'll just wait. They said, no, let us put you up there. So I was like, okay. And they picked me me up in my wheelchair and put me on the stage. And then let me go in front of them. And um, so um, Kurt, it came my time and I said, Kirk, I don't want to be in the wheelchair in the picture. He said, well, can you get out of it? And I said, yeah, if you help me. So he held my hands and he helped me get out of the wheelchair and um, took me to the picture prop. And I, I took my picture with him. I held on to him like, you know, had death grip on him. I was holding on to him so I wouldn't fall down, of course. But yeah. just because of the fact it was Kirk Cameron. Kirk too. Cameron, yeah. <laughs> So, um, he, you know, he asked, I had a bracelet that said defeatmsa.org and I gave it to him and I told him that's what I have. I said, it's a rare terminal condition. And he said, I want to talk to you more about that, you know, later. So um, then I went, got back in my wheelchair and waited for the guys to help me get back down. And the manager looked over and he said, how'd you get up here? <laughs> I said, oh, I got a jet pack on my wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> but the guys held me back down yeah and after the event there's like a little campfire that they do we do outside you know and sing songs and worship a little bit more and after the event um I asked Kirk if he would sign my ticket autograph my ticket for me he said of course and he he asked he said can I pray for you mm. I said yes you can absolutely 
So he knelt down at my wheelchair and grabbed my hands and he prayed for me. And then I told him, you know, that God had said that I needed to share my story from the beginning before my time was up. And he said, well, how do you plan to do that? And I was like, I really don't know how to share the story. He said, well, Daisy, I think you need to write a book. Yeah. And I said, okay, I've never written a book, but okay. He said, here's my email address. You just keep me posted on how the writing's going. And so when it was done, he asked me to send him the manuscript. Yeah. And he read it. And uh, then he wrote me a forward and sent it back to me and uh, contacted the publisher. So I started writing in October. Had the book finished in the end of January. And in March, it was published. That is very, very fast in the publishing world. <laughs> it really is. And I yeah. think I have Kirk Cameron to thank for that. I really do. Yeah. That's wonderful, I, though. I know that God put him in my path to help me along with um, inspiring me and motivating me to get my story told. Yes, that's wonderful. I just love every bit of that whole story. <laughs> um, before we go any further, just since we have brought it up and have not actually said what it is, MSA, can you tell the audience what that stands for and what exactly the symptoms are? Sure. It's, it's multi-system atrophy. There are two different types. There's the MSAP, which is the MSA Parkinsonism, which is what I have. And uh, you're, you're, di- you're actually diagnosed with Parkinson's first. And then there's the MSAC, which is a cerebellar type, yeah. and it 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 just it, it's it's a rare degenerative neurological disorder that affects your body's involuntary functions. You know, like your blood pressure, your um, breathing, and your bladder function, and your motor control. Yeah, and it, it you usually have about five to seven years from the onset of system symptoms for your life expectancy yeah um so mine is progressing again it progressed really quickly um I went from sometimes tripping then trembling to the loss of bladder function to my blood pressure dropping really low um to being in a wheelchair most of the time now because especially when I'm in public there's no way I'm gonna walk without I can't do that without my husband's assistance and my husband, I rely on 100%. He has to bathe me and wash my hair and help me get to the restroom. He fixes my Been meals. wonderful for you. He is godsend. He really is. And uh, I don't tell him enough, I don't think. Uh, of course, you know, you get frustrated when you, when this happens to you. And yeah, and being with just the same person every day I sometimes kind of take it out on him and I have to say okay God forgive me and it's honey I'm sorry you know I don't don't mean to and he gets a little frustrated too sometimes because he doesn't like seeing me that way and dealing with it yeah so yeah yeah only about four um, I was reading about four out of every 100,000 people in the U.S. are diagnosed with the disorder yeah and um so, so 10% of my proceeds of the book, I want to donate to the MSA charity. Um, it's to feedmsa.org. Yeah, I'll make sure that I have that in the description below for anyone who's listening and wants to find that. Okay. How many years ago did you get your diagnosis? 
or did this, this I guess the, the symptoms started yes um, probably in um 2020 okay so it has progressed pretty quick then that's only been yeah. about two years yeah 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 that's a hard thing to walk through isn't it it is it's been the hard, hardest thing that I've had to deal with I think um but that's why I think I went through everything else I did because to, to make me strong enough to be able to go through this because I know you have to be strong to, to do it because not only was I I was molested but I was raped in high school yeah I was drugged by someone um, which nine girls out of my school were were all drugged by the same guy because he had asked us out and we all said no then I was in an abusive marriage um, which all three of my children it their father yeah and um I, like i was talking to you we were in a long relationship too but i stayed with him because i wanted to try to keep my family together yeah um but my husband that i have now we've been married for 12 years and we've known each other since i was five so really yeah yeah isn't yeah. that weird how god does things like yeah even his mom told us back in 2020 we were we were at the um, grocery store together I'm sorry, 2000, not 2020, but 2000. Um, we were in the grocery store together and we happened to get in line and behind her. Um, she said to the cashier, don't they make a cute couple? And I was like, I was like, Trish, we're not a couple. We are <laughs> um, just friends. And she was like, no, but one of these days you will be. Mom knows best. And <laughs> so when we did get together in 2008, she was like, um, I told you. We were going to get together. She was like, oh, well, this makes me so happy. And when we got engaged, she was even happier. She's like, she was over the moon. It's great. She passed away in 2016. And um, it was my husband's birthday in April. And actually, since I wrote the book, I've been having a lot of dreams about heaven. Yeah. And um, one of my dreams was the night before my husband's birthday. And I went to heaven and I was in line at the gates and St. Peter was checking everyone in. And when I got through the gates, I saw all, I was blessed with all my family members that had gone before me, my, wow. real, my, my real mother, um, twins that I had lost, but I knew exactly who they were. They were grown, but I knew exactly who they were. Wonderful. Yeah. And then I turned around after I met, greeted all of them and um, Eugene's mother was standing there with her hips on her her hands on her hips and her little smirk on her face, just like she would here on earth, you know. And um, she said, tell Eugene, I said, happy birthday. And uh, I'm going to see you real soon. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in heaven, if, this, if it looked like, like it did in my dream, it is absolutely indescribable and so beautiful. And I noticed everyone has rainbow auras all around them. And I think, you know, like a water hose outside in the sunlight and the glistening, that kind of rainbow is kind of a, you know, glistening rainbow aura. But, you know, the rainbow is God's promise. So that makes me really think, you know, that, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's got to be how it is. I love that idea. I really do. That yeah. I've, I've honestly talked to a couple of people about their dreams recently, and I will save this other one because I'll... I might actually ask, I, there's a guy that I go to church with who had an amazing dream about what happened between when Jesus was crucified and when he rose again. And it is so powerful. 
but I would want him to tell that. But I, I mean, it talks in the Bible about in the end times. And I, I think it says like, um, I don't remember if it says like young men will dream dreams or something like that. Like, but it implies that people will be dreaming about something that I assume would be God related and future related and what God is about to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I believe that too. Because in one of my dreams, I dreamed about the throne room. Yes. Yeah. It's another dream, but I couldn't see in the center of the throne, you know, the, the, um, the elders on their thrones. I couldn't see what was in the center in my dream. Wow. And it was so neat just to see how beautiful this room was. It was like in an outside gazebo. Yeah. That was so huge. I mean, there was hundreds of thousands of people there. Um, and I kept trying to get to the center because I wanted to see what was in the center. And I just kept getting pushed back and pushed back. So I started going around the circle and all the elders on their thrones and they all had crowns on with different, each one of them had different colored gem. Like one would have yellow, one would have purple, rubies and, you know, emeralds, things like that. But they had attributes on the back of their thrones. And I got, I kept trying to count and I could only get to 20. Yeah. And I saw these three attributes and one was the yellow crown and it had courage on it yeah and then one had inspiration yeah and one had motivation wonderful yeah and I say that's all I could see but somebody said in there in heaven that is you wow you're inspiring you're motivating and you had courage for all you've been through and I was like wow so it was meant for me to see those those attributes on the on the throne absolutely yeah, I find that fascinating because, um, and I don't know how many people have done this kind of study on the Bible, but there's a book that I read that talks about how in the Old Testament, God is described by like the names that they give him are his attributes, mm-hmm. which, yeah, and I, I don't think that's a coincidence at all. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a super fascinating thing if anybody ever wants to study the names of God. Um, I'm trying to remember who wrote the book that I read. It was great. Um, and I can't think of it right now. Maybe I'll, I'll add that in the description later too. If you think about it, comes yeah, to if you. I can find it. I know I've got it on my shelf. I just, um, I don't want to leave the podcast to look for, it. but yeah, no, that's amazing. That is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so that makes me want to ask you also, what were you doing before you decided to write? Like, were you speaking ever? Did you ever like do anything no the only thing I did I did I was a weight loss coach for a few years um so I didn't have to motivate people to lose the weight yeah and I was like a property manager of condos on the beach (laughs) until our home got destroyed by the hurricane Harvey yeah 20 yeah 2017 so we had to uh, move, but we moved back home. That's the other thing, you know, where I live, my hometown, I can never get away for more than four and a half years without some sort of tragedy pulling me back home. Like God keeps telling me, you need to be close to your family and your friends. You don't need to go too far. Yeah. So every four and a half years, every time I've gone, something's happening. I've always been pulled back. One of those times I almost lost my life. Wow. Yeah. I um after my my first husband and I divorced um I wanted to, to change and I wanted to get out of the the town 
And so I joined the army. Yeah. But um, I hurt my knee in basic training. So if that didn't work out, God had other plans for me. <laughs> but yes. I met I met someone in physical therapy. You know, we, we talked about religion and, you know, church and spiritual things. And like you said before, I don't think things are by coincidence. So after we both got out of physical therapy, we were discharged, and um, he asked me to come up state New, New York State to visit him. So um, I went up there. It was so beautiful, and I just felt that peace in, in, in the mountains and all the pretty fall colors and everything. So I got my kids, and we moved back up there, and uh, everything was great. We were in a great relationship for four and a half years. And then one night he, he just snapped over something really small and he hit me over the head and fractured my skull. Wow. Yeah. So, um, I was in the hospital for about three weeks and when I woke up, um, two days later after it happened and my best friend that I was going to go visit in Vermont, she was there and she said, good morning, sunshine. And I said, how long have I been out? She said, oh, about two, two and a half days. I was like, where are my kids? You know, that's the first thing I could think of. She said, don't worry. They're with the preacher and his family. They're they're safe. It's going to be okay. But then I went back home, and that's when my husband and I got back, got together. You know, I wasn't looking for a relationship, but he was yeah. there. He helped me unload my U-Haul, and he just, we mutually, in the past, I had asked him out, and he said no, and then he asked me out, and I said, no, you told me no, so no. And <laughs> then we finally mutually got together but yeah um, but God brought me back home to him and we've been together ever since and I was lucky that I did not lose my life then because it was very close I was licking cerebral fluid from my brain right and every time I would sit up I would pass out so that's why I was in the hospital for so long Um, God still had work for you to do he did and in in this book and and since I've wrote it you know I've seen things unravel like I didn't write this in my book but the guy that abused me or that fractured my skull he um was originally going to be charged with attempted murder and then he took a plea for aggravated assault so he only got a year in jail for me nearly losing my life but you know what I've written letters to God, not to God, but to the people that have harmed me. Yes. And I forgive them. Yes. And I reached out to my molester and I let his ex-wife know, tell him that I forgive him for what he's done and tell him that I'm going, I've got a terminal condition and I'm not going to be here much longer. He reached back out to me and just gave me the most horrible, horrible, sometimes I, I go blank when I'm that's part of this condition too, but his response, that's the word I'm looking for. His response was just horrible. I was like, you know what? That's okay. It's in God's hands. And not long after that, he was charged with sexual misconduct. Wow. Yeah. For a different time. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the thing about forgiveness that I think, I think it's a really important topic. And I don't know if I've talked about it enough on my podcast, honestly, but the Bible tells us not only, it doesn't only talk about forgiving, but it says to live at peace as far as it depends on us. We can't always make amends with people. We And some people I don't think should be made actual, like they don't need to be in your life if they're an unsafe person. 
Exactly. And if you, you might forgive them, but you don't have to forget what they've done. Yes. And people think that forgive and forget is a biblical concept. It is not. No. And if you forgive, you give it to God. Yes. He says, vengeance is mine. Yes. And that's where justice comes is from God. So you give it to him and let it be out of your hands, out of your mind, and he will deal with it. And since I've written the book, I can see that he's starting to deal with things that happened in my life and, you know, give that justice. But it wasn't meant for me to do. It was for him. And then also another thing since I wrote the book, things or that I wrote, I've forgotten. So it's like once I wrote them down, they're gone. They gave me peace. They, you know, and took weight off my shoulders because I did what God told me to. And he's given me peace about it. Yeah, that's that's another thing as far as peace goes is some people, somebody's probably listening right now thinking, how could you forgive them? You know what I mean? It wasn't because, easy. Right. It's hard especially when you've been wronged so deeply. It took me, um, I've been seeing a Christian counselor for five years. So I just wrote the book last October. So it took me talking with her to help me to be able to see that I needed to forgive them. Um, she would tell me to write them, write them letters and bury them. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And I had pictures of my abuser and I literally took a, Took them, put it on up as a target, and shot it with a BB gun. <laughs> but then I said, "I forgive you." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so I'm a huge advocate for counseling, and I know that all of us can heal in different ways because um, God can use a lot of different avenues. But counseling helped me a lot because there's something about someone who is outside of our situation helping us to open our eyes to the hurt that we've had, um, where the roots of our pain really start from. Cause sometimes we'll think that we're, you know, healing from something that just recently happened and our damage is so deep and so long ago. And we have to deal with things that we didn't deal with when we were younger. Absolutely. That is absolutely true. And it was weird because it was after the hurricane that all these emotions just came back to me and like, like a hurricane, you know, and she, she diagnosed me with PTSD, which how can I, you know, how can I not have had PTSD after everything I've been through, but there's angels here on earth and God put them there for us. Um, it's like, I've met them a few times and after my divorce, when I divorced my father, the father of my children, um, I barely could make ends meet and um, it came Christmas time and I'm like Lord you know they know what Christmas is all about but to me the joy seeing the joy on their faces is the best present I can get and I can't give that to them this year well there was a ring at the doorbell and uh, when I got to the door there was a bicycle and like three bags of gifts and clothes and I was like you know I knew where that came from Oh, Lord. A couple of days later, there was a knock at the door. and There was a lady out there with another bike and some clothes, and toys. And I said, did you leave something the other day? And she said, no, I didn't. But this here is from a don- donate from a uh, anonymous person. I knew, I knew right then, God, thank you. You know, you sent me an angel 
And I know that my counselor is an angel on earth because she's pulled me out of so many dark times. I've, I've actually, I've tried to take my life a few times and God's like, no. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a minute? Sure. The first time I did that when I was young, after um, I'd been um, raped and, and drugged, I'd already been molested for four and a half years. And then I, the rape and then being drugged, I was like, God, you know, what have I done to deserve all of this? I, um, I've worshipped you. I've put you first. I've, I've, I've read the Bible from the front to the back. I've done Bible drills. Why am I being punished? You know, I, I can't take this anymore. I can't deal with it. So I took a lot of pills of my dad's and tried to kill myself. And I went into inpatient counseling for that. And then after my husband and I divorced, I did it again because he was so abusive emotionally. And uh, I slipped my wrist and yeah. went into counseling again. And the Lord's like, nope, you're not taking your life. It's not not meant to be that way you gotta you gotta be strong you gotta stay here and you got a story to share in years to come you know so what would you say to someone today who feels like they don't see hope and they don't know why god has allowed things to happen in their life well i'll tell you that the time my when my father was murdered when i was 20 or possibly murdered and I had, I was six and a half months pregnant with my youngest daughter. When I had her, my husband was in jail because he was a bad man. But, so I'm alone with a baby, a newborn baby, and a three and a half year old. And my dad just got murdered. And so, and I'm getting threatened and phone calls because I'm trying to find out why he was killed. Wow. So that's another time that I, you know, I want to take my life. And my, my sister-in-law was like, why? Why do you want to? have a permanent solution to a temporary temporary problem she said just get out of the house i'll watch the girls give you a break and just go see some friends or you know just get away for a little bit well in my book i dedicate you know to some people in autumn that was my sister-in-law at the time last march she took her own life she and she's the one that told me you know why do you want to end your life is a, temp- a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I say, you know, I wish I could have helped her in the same aspect that she helped me, but I was there for her and, and I feel really bad. I will tell people, you know, that it is a temporary problem what you're going through. Yeah. There is going to be better days. Give it to the Lord. Any of your problems or your trials or tribulations that you have, your circumstances that you're going through, Give it to the Lord. Pray about it. Ask him to help you. Watch for his signs and and look for his signs because he may not answer your prayers right away or like you want him to, but he's going to answer. He's going to hear your prayers and he's going to send you signs and signals. You just got to watch for him. It's like I say, um, one of my favorite verses is, what is it, Psalms 119.105? Yeah. Um, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He will guide you. Just watch for that lamp. That's right. Yeah. And, the, and another thing is that one of my other favorite verses that I really like is First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation is overtaken. Can you accept what is common to mankind? And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. 
but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You just have to be patient sometimes and just pray about it and let, let him handle it. That's, right. That's what he's there for. Yes. Amen. This is another time. I think it's important to say, like, if you feel like you don't have hope and you don't see a way out, ask someone for help. Even if it's a friend of yours, a family member, someone who will listen and maybe seek out real actual counseling, especially if you feel like you're ready to take your own life. Exactly. Exactly. That too. First, give it to God. And then, yeah, like you said, find a real person too, to help you through it. Yeah. I've known a few friends who have um, lost their spouses to suicide. And, and I know that one of the things that they seem to believe, which is never true, is people are better off without me. And I, I just want to cry out to anyone who hears this. It's not true. No, Your family loves you. Yes. Your children love you. You are, you know, it, it might be hard sometimes and you might butt heads with the people who love you, but they still love you. And at the time, whatever you're going through, you think there's someone out there that's going through something even more difficult than what you're going through. And you're not alone. Just reach out to someone. Someone is going through the same situation and they're going to be there to help you, guide you through it. You both can do it together. But but yeah, don't think that you're not loved and that you're better off gone and the world's better off without you because that is not the case. It is a lie straight from the depths of hell. <laughs> exactly. That's just the devil. And he yes. will do everything he can to make you feel that way. Yeah, that's right. He fought. He, I had to fight with him many times writing this book. You know, he tried so many times to, to prevent my word from getting out there. But God's like, nope, that word is going out there. That's going to help and inspire someone else that needs it. And that's why I want to write this book. Because because I know somebody out there is going through similar situations that I dealt with, and I want them to know that there's a way out, and I want to inspire them and help them any way I can. That's right. Is there anything else you'd like to add as far as how, like, clearly God has just been with you every bit of the journey. How else have you seen God's faithfulness through everything? Well, I'm going to go back to when I'm, before I left my husband, that was abusive to me. I did have a high school boyfriend. It was so good to me. He was just the best. And I would pray, you know, God, please bring Wes back into my life. He was so good to me. And I don't know why I broke up with him. I should have never done it. And Wes came back and we were just talking on the computer one day. We met up on classmates.com. Yeah. And we hadn't seen each other in 20 years. So we were just catching up and I was letting him know, hey, that my dad, you know, got murdered and just chit-chatting. And my husband had been having an affair for two years, but I stuck with him. And just because I was talking to Wes, who was married, my husband left me. And I was like, oh, he just needed an out, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So... Um, Wes came down, he helped me move out into an apartment and got me out of the house that me and my husband lived in um, because my husband did come back and abuse me even after he did leave. So after Wes got me situated, pretty much he left, he just disappeared. And I was like, God, why did you have him leave me again? You know, and he said, he said to me, 
I brought him back to help you out of a bad situation that I knew that you would never get out of. And that was, again, another earth angel, you know. Yeah. He did his job, and that's what he was done, you know, that it was, that was what he was sent to do. Yeah. And then there was another time we had a really, really bad ice storm on Christmas Day, Christmas Day night. And um, I was in my apartment by myself because my kids were at their grandparents' house where they had heat. And I didn't have any any heat or anything. I was just staying in the bed and there were so many covers. And there was a knock at the door and it was a high school friend. And um, he took me to his house. It was like a brother to me. And he had hot water and gas and cooked me a hot meal. And I was able to take a hot bath, and, you know, and I had warmth and food. God sent him to me, my, my brother, not by, by blood, but, you know, through Christ. Yeah. And um, he helped me out of that situation, too, because I had to develop pneumonia for being in such a cold environment for so long. But, but yeah, um, you know, he, he knows when you need help and he, he will send someone to help you. And he's always done that for me. That's how I've, I'm able to stay faithful through him. Yeah. And trust him. Yeah. And those dreams that I've had about heaven, you know, um, since I wrote the book, I've had peace. And um, every dream I have, I just have more and more and more peace. And I, I'm, I'm ready, you know, when, when God's ready to take me. I'm ready, and I know that I will be healed. People are praying for healing, but that healing's not going to happen here on this earth. It's going to happen where I'm going to have everlasting life and not be in any pain anymore. That's right. Amen. Not be not not have to suffer anymore. He already told me, you know, my time was near, so I did what he told me to do. Now I just have to share my story and get it out there. Yeah. Then I've done my job. I'm so thankful to have a even a little piece of the ability to help you do that. <laughs> yes, me too. I let me share something really quick. My um my pastor, the pastor of my church passed away in January. Um he had terminal brain cancer and everybody in our church thought that God was going to heal him the way that we wanted him to be healed. And God decided to heal him in the ultimate way. And I think that it's easy for us as Christians to forget that this earth is not our promise. Our promise is so much better, you know? Yes. Yes, it is. And that's funny that you mentioned that. And that's a sad story. God blessed our church um, with him for four years and he brought us together in a way that I don't think any other pastor could have. And I'm thankful for the time that he gave us. Exactly. I I can see that. Yeah. That's like my physical therapist. You know, he said his um, mother had passed away with cancer and my, my mother-in-law had brain and and, um, lung cancer. You know, we prayed for their healing, but my physical therapist and I got to talking and, you know, we, we said, we prayed for them. They they got what we prayed for. They yeah. got their healing. It's not a healing to be here on earth anymore, but they're healed. They're not suffering anymore. They're up there in in God's world. They're in the beautiful, undescribable heaven. And they're they don't miss us when they go to heaven because they can come down here anytime they want and visit us. I've not, I found that out in a dream too. 
there's malls in heaven. This is this is a neat little story that I learned, and I truly believe this now. There's malls in heaven, and you can go shopping in these malls for free. Yeah, bring them down, bring them gifts down to people here on earth that are your loved ones. Um, so if you never think and you find something that you don't know where it came from, you're like, where did this come from? Someone in heaven brought that down for you because they would want you to know that they're still here. I love that so much. Now I have to tell you another story because <laughs> that makes me think of this. And and this has been in my attic for probably, I don't know how many years because, so I live in my grandmother's old house and um, my family has had this house for literally 60 years. They wow. moved in here when my mother was um, 10, which my daughter is now 10. It's funny. She sleeps in the same room that my mom slept in, which is wonderful. Oh, wow. But um, me and my aunt had to go through the attic because every generation had filled the attic with the stuff. <laughs> so the attic was just full, full, full of all these things. And while we were going through it, we found these, all these things of my grandmother's and she was a wonderful woman of faith. And so a lot of it was like um, one of her old Bibles that just had all this stuff written inside of it and notes written next to the verses and dates that she had underlined things and something had happened where that verse inspired her. And what just blessed my socks off was this, these little booklets, they were like tablets of paper where she wrote scripture and yeah, she would write it and rewrite it and she was memorizing it. And I oh, have, wow. yeah. And when we found these, it just, it just blessed me so much. And it honestly really um, convicted me too, because I've been reading the Bible for years. I've read it cover to cover several times and I know some verses, but I really have never made a huge effort to memorize it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That I feel like is one of my charges here going forward is to really get the word devoted to memory. Yeah. 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 That's what I enjoyed about the Bible drills when I was in the Bible drills. That was so fun because they would read a chapter and you would have to tell them what verse, what, what scripture it was. Or if they would give you a, a chapter and a verse and you'd have to read this, you know, memorize the script, tell them what the scripture was. So I love doing that, but I can't do that anymore. I, I have some favorite verses that I remember, but, um, but no, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, there is one thing I would like to share, if you don't mind. Um, Absolutely. It is a poem that I actually wrote 20 years ago, and I put it in my Bible, and it kind of tells you, and you know, it's called Eternal Love, yeah. Endless what? Days, Sleepless Nights, as we go through our constant fights. Do we truly get what we want, or is it up, totally up to me? Struggling through our trying times burdened by the price of crimes as each day ends know that god's your only friend as footprints in the sand does say he really carries us all the way know this for it is up to you he already knows what you should do just find your faith from heaven of above then you will have eternal love ah oh, that's beautiful you wrote that yes beautiful i love it Another way to remember, you know, when you're going through something, always think about, always think about the footprints in the sand poem. You yeah, know. that's my favorite poem. <laughs> Mine too. And you look back and you see one set of footprints, but God's carrying you through those difficult times. He's never left you. He's, he right. never leaves you alone. 
and you just know that I just want everybody to know he's really there for you. You just have to have faith. Yes. Amen. Yeah. And sometimes we feel like God is being silent, like he has left and he does have moments where he's silent, but he's still there. Exactly. He, sometimes bad things happen to you so he can get your attention. Maybe you're not yes. on track and he needs to right. get back on track. So, but things happen for a reason. It's God get your attention or, you know, yeah. he's, he needs you to go through that for some reason to share a story yeah, or to help someone else. Yeah. But there's a reason for that happening. That's right. I, I truly believe that. Uh, I hate to wrap this up. I'm, I love this conversation. It's wonderful. It has um, been. Thank you. Uh, where can, where can my audience find you? I'm on Facebook. Um, you can follow Daisy page author. It's Daisy page comma author. You can follow, follow me there. Um, I'm on Instagram, Daisy page and pages with the I, by the way, P A I G E. Um, but Daisy page three, two, two, or I'm on Twitter, Daisy Page UM is like Unexpected Moments 322. And also, you can get my book, um, Addicts Libris, which is X L I B R I S dot com. Um, and their bookstore, and you just look for Unexpected Moments by Daisy Page, and you can get it there. And 10% of the proceeds will go to the defeatmsa.org to um, the donate to us to help with the researching and cure for this condition that I have. I know that they're not going to find a, a, a cure for, for it while I have it because I've um, progressed so far. But there's others that, you know, maybe you're just starting or haven't been diagnosed yet that it could help. So please. And also you can donate. If you get the book, it's in the book, the back of the book, and you can also donate to help out with charity as well. That is wonderful. Thank you so, so very much for talking with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Lori. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been my pleasure, truly. Thank you for listening to A Voice for the Hurting. You can find information on today's guest in the description below, plus links to follow A Voice for the Hurting on Facebook and Instagram. Join us next week for more inspiring stories to strengthen you on your journey.